Chapter Sixteen of the Friendship of Anne, a story by Ellen Douglas Deland. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. While Bertha was nursing her cold and her injured feelings in New York, she received numerous letters from Kingsbridge, but much to her disappointment, not one of them was from Anne Talbot. She is not going to answer that nice note I wrote her, thought Bertha, already depressed and ready to see everything through the smokiest kind of spectacles. I am sure I didn't want to write to her, for she made me awfully mad, but I thought it would be better to be pleasant. I wish now I hadn't, as long as she hasn't answered, and from what Julia writes, she has evidently made up with Sydney. Oh dear, I do wish this old cold hadn't come and prevented my going back on the train with Anne. It would have been such a splendid chance to tell her everything. Now, of course, Sydney will prejudice her before I come. It is doubtful if Bertha realized what she was thinking. She would have been surprised if anyone had told her that she had made deliberate plans to spoil Sydney's standing among her schoolmates. She had begun, it is true, by looking down upon Sydney because she was poor and had apparently no social position in New York. And then, when Sydney in her turn looked down upon her, and made little effort to disguise the fact that she did not care for Bertha and considered her ill-bred, Bertha also showed her dislike more openly. Bertha was not the only one at fault, for Sydney's attitude from the first had been scarcely friendly, and thus matters had gone on from bad to worse. The anonymous letters had been written with the intention of making known the family affairs of the Stuarts, of which Bertha and Julia had obtained the knowledge in a manner that was anything but honorable, but which had come about partly by accident. Later, when they found that Sydney was suspected of writing the letters, and that the subject of them was supposed by the other girls to be Bertha herself, they had decided not to divulge the truth. If anonymous letters were not approved of, they certainly did not wish to be known as the authors of them. It would never do to tell it, they decided, so they said nothing and allowed Sydney to be held responsible. And then Julia had heard in Baltimore the distorted version of the Stuarts' troubles, and disliking Sydney already, and having already wronged her, as they knew, they were not at all sorry to seize upon what they call disgrace in the family, to justify their own attitude towards her. And now Julia wrote from Kingsbridge to Bertha in New York that Anne Talbot had made up with Sydney, that they had become very intimate, and that Bertha had better hurry back or she would be too late. There is going to be a meeting of the KQC very soon, I believe, and it is said that something is to be said or done. You had better get back before that if you possibly can. I should tell Anne myself, 
if you hadn't made me promise not to. It is really my story, for I was the one who found out all about it in Baltimore, and I ought to be the one to tell it. Bertha's cold was certainly most inconvenient, according to her own views, but there is no doubt that it was of use to others. In her absence, there was no one to influence the other pupils to continue their hostility to Sydney, for Julia's was a weaker nature and she was not able to stem the turn in the tide of public opinion. Anne's attitude was the other one that counted. She said nothing in public, but it was plainly to be seen that Sidney Stewart was restored to favor and all the girls followed her lead. When Bertha finally arrived, a week after school opened, the first sight that met her eyes when she entered the front door was that of Anne and Sidney strolling up and down the hall, arm in arm, in deep conversation. "'Oh, hello, Bertha,' said Anne in her most offhand manner, turning her head to speak over her shoulder, their course happening to be away from the front door at the moment when Bertha came in. How is your cold? She made no motion towards a warmer greeting. Sydney, on the contrary, stopped and turned back. Don't, said Anne in a low voice, but not too low for Bertha to hear. However, Sydney went towards her and held out her hand. I hope you are better, she said. She was feeling very happy these days and full of goodwill towards everybody, even Bertha Macy. She knew nothing of the incident at the Talbots' New Year's Eve party. She held out her hand, but Bertha made no response. She was too angry with Anne to care what was said or done by anyone else, and she certainly had no intention of being patronized by Sidney Stewart, she said to herself. So she ignored her civil greeting and turned to Miss Wickersham, who came out of her room at that minute to welcome her. Then she went upstairs with Julia Clark, meeting a number of the girls on the way. It seemed to her that no one was very cordial to her except Miss Wickersham and Julia. She had supposed that quite a crowd would gather at the front door to receive her a week late, as she was after having been ill. It was all very disappointing and disagreeable, and the still faithful Julia found that her friend had returned in a frame of mind that was not altogether amiable. The next day, at the noon recess, Bertha approached the group in the center of which Anne was standing. It was a stormy day, and they were forced to remain indoors. Sydney and Elise Brent were not there. Anne, said Bertha, did you get my letter? Your letter? It would be impossible to describe the coldness of Anne's tone. Yes, my letter. I wrote to you the day after you came back to school. Did you get it? Oh, yes, I think I did get one from you. Bertha was rapidly growing more provoked. The girls were all standing there listening, no one saying a word, and everyone intensely interested. 
It was a well-known fact that trouble had been brewing, and already dark rumors were flying about concerning the projected action of the club committee. No one of the uninitiated knew just what was to happen, but there was unlimited conjecture, and now here were Anne and Bertha already measuring their swords. It was certainly very exciting, and of course Anne must be in the right. To be sure, she had done very much the same thing in regard to Sidney Stewart, and now she was friends again with her, but still, Anne must be in the right. So it was a distinctly unfriendly group of persons which Bertha had approached. "'You know very well you got a letter from me,' said she. "'How perfectly absurd for you to pretend you have forgotten it. "'Well, you didn't answer it. "'What was the use when you were coming back so soon? "'What was the use of writing anyway?' "'Because I had something very important to say. "'You know very well what I began to tell you that night at your party. "'There was a great deal more to tell you, "'and I think all the girls ought to know about it. "'It isn't right to keep it from them.' "'Nobody wants to hear your story, Bertha,' said Anne. "'It is a miserable story, and it isn't true anyhow.' I advise you not to say one word about it to anybody. Just forget it. Forget it, repeated Bertha scornfully, as if such a thing could be forgotten. No, indeed, it ought to be told. I, for one, have no intention of associating with such a person as she is, and I think the other girls ought to know about it. I am going to tell them. Just because you have changed towards Sidney Stewart, you were mad enough with her before the holidays. Just because you have changed, there is no reason why. Hush! exclaimed Anne imperiously. Hush! I will talk with you this afternoon, Bertha. Don't say another word now. As Sidney and Elsie entered the room, Bertha turned away. This conversation had taken place in the schoolroom, and going to her desk, she fastened its lid up with a prop and began to arrange its contents. That is, she made a pretense of doing so, but in reality, while she tossed about her possessions, she was peeping over the top of the lid at the group on the other side of the room. The girls laughed and talked and recounted their holiday experiences, not one of them apparently giving a thought to her. If Bertha had only availed herself of the opportunity on her return to school to be pleasant with everybody, if she had relinquished her plan of making public the affairs of the Stuarts, if she had not written as she did to Anne, there is every reason to suppose that she might have remained on good terms with her schoolmates. They were no different from other girls. Not one of them was perfect in disposition or character, and of course there would have been quarrels and makings up, differences of opinion and occasionally ill temper or perhaps a dishonorable action. 
but on the whole girls are naturally inclined to be friendly with one another anne herself would probably have expressed her opinion to bertha as to her speaking so freely at her party and would have told her the true story of the stuarts and then would have dropped the matter entirely anonymous letters and all and a semblance at least of peace might have been restored but that was not bertha's way absorbed in her own view of the affair which she considered the right view and forgetting entirely that her own conduct had not been by any means honourable she prepared to push matters to an extreme and thus hasten an unfortunate climax that afternoon she and julia clark went to anne's room the hour had been appointed and anne's voice answered their knock dolly fearing was there too and ruth carter of course you don't mind ruth and dolly being here said anne her changeable face showed that she was angry her eyes usually so full of laughter and fun were cold and searching in their expression and there was no suggestion of a smile anywhere she was standing by the table when her visitors entered and on the table was the box where she kept her letters oh no said bertha i would a great deal rather have them here so they can hear the truth julia is going to tell you just what she heard in baltimore she can tell it better than i for she heard it all from her aunt julia a pale girl who looked as though she had not had half the fresh air she needed was apparently very much overwhelmed with a sense of the importance of her position as chief purveyor of scandal she seated herself in the rocking-chair to which anne had waved her and began nervously to tilt it to and fro bertha took another chair and anne sat down on the edge of the bed dolly was curled up in the position of an oriental on her own bed and ruth carter occupied the only remaining chair which was near the window well why don't you begin demanded anne impatiently oh yes said julia with a little laugh that betrayed her agitation of mind i will i didn't know bertha was going to make me tell it then she paused oh do go ahead julia exclaimed bertha i don't believe she has much to tell after all said anne in a tone that suggested scorn i have too replied julia strung into speech it is an awful thing that happened my aunt never knew these people herself the stuarts i mean naturally she wouldn't for they must be very common one of the boys one of sydney stuart's brothers actually killed another boy they tried to make out that it was an accident but someone who was near had heard them quarreling just before the gun went off he was about fourteen when it happened and the judges and jury and lawyers and everybody felt so sorry for him because he was so young that they didn't do anything to him 
but there's no doubt about its being true, for the Stuarts never held up their heads afterwards, and they moved away from Baltimore and went to New York to live, so that no one should know about it, and the brother is a blighted being. Of course that proves that he did it on purpose, and it wasn't an accident. If it had been, he would get over it. That Mr. Murray, who was at your party, Anne, said that he knew them and that everybody knew it was an accident, said Bertha. He was just trying to stand up for them because they happened to be friends of his, I suppose. It was all in the papers at the time. It is the most disgraceful thing to have happen in your family, I think. The idea of Sydney coming to a boarding school and passing herself off to be as good as anybody. It is perfectly outrageous. Have you quite finished your side of the story? asked Anne. Yes, except to tell you that I know for a fact that she is here at half rates. She is a sort of charity scholar. I should think that was Miss Wickersham's affair, said Ruth. I don't see what difference it makes to us what the different girls' bills are. I don't suppose it does, except to show what kind of people the Stuarts are. Think of their accepting such a favor from a boarding school teacher. You would think they would be ashamed to. How did you find that out? asked Anne. Did Julia's aunt in Baltimore tell you that? Bertha colored and was silent. Evidently, you can't give your authority for that. Well, I don't think much of that part of your news then, for I don't believe it is true. It is, cried Bertha hotly. It is perfectly true. The Stuarts acknowledge it themselves. How do you know they do? Did Sydney ever tell you herself? Of course not. Then I can only suppose you found it out while you were rooming together. And people who find things out in that way, Anne, interposed Ruth, wouldn't it be just as well to tell Bertha and Julia the real truth of the other story? After all, it doesn't make the slightest difference to any of us about the Stuarts' arrangements with Miss Wickersham. But the other story is important, and everyone ought to know the truth. All right, we will let the other go for the present, said Anne. Ruth is right. You ought to know the real facts of the important part of your tale. First, I will tell you, Bertha, that the other night at our house you were talking to Sidney Stewart's own brother. You actually said in his presence that his brother was a murderer. What do you mean? cried Bertha. There was no one there named Stewart. Yes, there was. Murray Stewart. It was he who told you that you were mistaken. Murray Stewart? I thought that fellow's last name was Murray. Well, you made a great mistake then, and I am just going to tell you now, without paint or polish or any other trimming, that I was very 
very much provoked with you and awfully ashamed of you for telling such a story at my house before people who were strangers to you. You didn't know but what they were all cousins of the Stuarts, or intimate friends, or something, and there one of them did turn out to be one of the very family, own brother to the boy himself. I think it was very, very nice of him, and showed what a true gentleman he is, that he didn't tell you then and there who he was. As for the Stuarts, being common, as you and Julia seem to think, they are not so at all. They are a very old family. The Stuarts came from Massachusetts, and Mrs. Stuart herself belonged to an old Maryland family. My mother and my aunt have always known her, and my brother and Fred Merriman and Alec Tracy were classmates of Murray when he was at Harvard, and knew him very well indeed. They haven't been living in New York long, and that is why my mother didn't know they were there, and why I didn't know that she knew Sidney's family, until I went home for these holidays. That is why you have taken up Sidney again, I suppose, said Bertha. You have found out that, as far as her family goes, she is a proper person to know. That is not the reason. I have another reason, a much better one. You know very well that I liked her from the beginning, but I allowed myself to be deceived about her. I am sorry enough for it now. Anne, interposed Ruth one more, better keep to the most important manner and tell Bertha the true story of the accident. Well, I shall saddle the other later. Everybody who was anybody in Baltimore knew at the time and knows now that Philip Stewart and the Appleton boy who was killed were most intimate friends. They had been all their lives. The Appleton boy did not live there, but he came there every year to visit his father's relations, who were named Appleton. His father and mother were dead, and he lived somewhere else with his grandmother. Whenever he came south, he spent all his time with Phil Stewart. One day they went out shooting together, just as they had often done before. They did have a quarrel about something, but it was nothing serious. Just as boys often squabble, or girls either, as do that. Dolly and I often fight, but if one of us were to die suddenly after a fuss, I don't suppose any one would think we had murdered each other, and no one whose opinion was worth anything thought it about Phil Stewart. But he felt dreadfully about the quarrel. He told about it right away, and he has never been able to get over it. His gun went off accidentally, and the other boy was close to him. Oh, it was awful. He died right away, I believe, before there was time to do anything for him, or for him to say anything. It was in the country near Baltimore, where the Stuarts had a place, and the Appletons lived next door. Phil Stewart ran right 
to the family and told them he had done it. Of course there was no judge or jury or anything. There was an inquest and Philip was completely exonerated. But some horrid sensational paper got hold of it and published the story the way you heard it. I suppose your aunt read that paper, Julia. You say she didn't know the Stuarts herself, so of course she didn't hear the rights of the case. But I can tell you that among the nice people of Baltimore, there has never been any other opinion than what I have told you. They had a great many warm friends, but they are very, very proud and very sensitive. Philip is particularly sensitive, my brother says. He has never gotten over his misery and takes an exaggerated view of everything connected with it. He feels all the more awfully because his last words with his friend were disagreeable, quarrelsome ones. Oh, I do feel so sorry for that poor fellow. I don't see why they didn't stay in Baltimore, where you say they were such nice people, said Bertha. What made them come to New York if they had nothing to be ashamed of? Because Mr. Stewart died, and they were left very poorly off, and the boys had to leave college and go to work, and they could get better positions in New York than they could in Baltimore. It is easy enough to understand that. Now, Bertha, I want to ask you something. Have you told any of the other girls the story? I know you told them before the holidays that there was some disgrace, but have you told anyone just what it is? No, returned Bertha shortly. Then I advise you not to say another word. If you do, we will tell the true story, and it is much better not to have any more talk about it. It wouldn't do you any good. You may be sure of that. Bertha made no reply. She recognized the wisdom of Anne's statement, but she was unwilling to acknowledge it. And one more thing, said Anne, tapping the box that held her correspondence. The sooner you own up to having written those anonymous letters about Sydney, the better it will be for you. Bertha fairly jumped. Her confusion would have been evident to the most casual observer. In a moment, however, she regained her composure. She rose to her feet. Come along, Julia, she said. There is no use in staying here any longer to be insulted. The two went out of the room and turned to her friends. There, said she, what do you think of that? I think it is dreadful, exclaimed Dolly, almost in tears. Ruth was silent. End of chapter 16 Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C.